Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. May the force be with you on the Middle Seats podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Welcome and thank you for joining us for this very special episode. I am your Jedi Master for the night, Andrew Roger. Let's meet my fellow Padawans. He's as cute as BB-8, and that's pretty great, Mr. Nate Lungarini. <laughs> How do you do, everyone? Good to be with you. Uh, excited to get back into the Star Wars game. We've had a we've had a fun couple months doing this, and we're culminating it all here with a brand new movie. This one's pretty childish. I kind of <laughs> I take a lot of pride that I wrote this. Listening to him talk is like taking a Count Dooku over and over again, Mister Jake Kensler. Wow, <laughs> you just couldn't help yourself with that one. That's not bad though. I'll take it. It wasn't me. It wasn't bad. I kept going to like other options, and I I had to settle on the on the. Poop joke. It's right? still better you than Jar Jar, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, harsh opinions of Jar Jar Binks. No Jar Jar Binks in our movie tonight. Yeah, can that be the only time we bring him up for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> Possibly. I don't want to spoil anything for if you haven't seen Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Darth Jar Jar, he's the thing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's a safe bet that 100-year-old Jar Jar Binks is not in The Rise of Skywalker, the ninth installment in the Skywalker saga. That's all we're doing today. We are talking about the end of the main Star Wars franchise as we know it. So we're going to have a spoiler-free talk here at the beginning, and then we're going to go into the film pretty much beat by beat over the next course of an hour or so. Hopefully you've seen the movie by now, but if you haven't, those first 10 to 15 minutes are for you, and then everybody else can join us in the spoiler section. So without further ado, let's get into our review of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. The Force brought us together. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. But I do. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. The Force will be with you. Always. Directed by J.J. Abrams, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is the end of the sequel trilogy that started back in 2015 with Star Wars The Force Awakens, also directed by J.J. Abrams. He returns after Ryan Johnson directed Star Wars The Last Jedi, the middle chapter. And like I said, I'm going to be vague about details since we're not even going into any kind of spoilers here. All you really need to know is that this takes place about a year after the events of Last Jedi, which fundamentally changed a lot in the franchise as far as a lot of our characters go, specifically Rey, Finn, Poe. Those three actors, of course, back, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac. We've got a bunch of other people, Carrie Fisher in her final role, Adam Driver back as Kylo Ren. But again, I don't want to get into what they're specifically doing. Now, of course, Star Wars The Last Jedi, one of the most divisive movies, probably blockbusters of all time. Bunch of different factions with that movie. There are people that hate it for good reasons. There are people that hate it for bad reasons. There are people that love it for good reasons. There's there a people... lot of people who hate it for bad reasons. Let's be real. It, probably. 
But Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is doing what it can to bring people back that they lost, but also retain the people that love The Last Jedi. It's a tough task, to be completely frank. And there is a lot of movie to discuss in this movie. So let's get into it, folks. Let's start with Jake Hensler. What did you think of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? Um, well... I'm glad he's going first. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be speechless yet. Not a bad movie per se. Yeah, I'm not often speechless. I'm usually penalized for having too much to say. But um, it's not a bad movie. I wouldn't say I disliked it. But God, is it frustrating. This, to me, feels a bit like Disney rewarding a tantrum. A lot of fanboys were really, really pissed at uh, how The Last Jedi portrayed a lot of their characters and where the story went. And that their fan theories were not rewarded. And to me, not all of it, but a lot of it kind of felt like Disney, you know, calming down an angry child and saying, we're sorry, take some ice cream, go play your video games, whatever you want, just stop yelling. Please go see our movie. We hope you like it. Don't be mad. Yada, yada, yada. So I was frustrated with it at times, but there was still some stuff that I liked. It's still entertaining. It's fun. I like a lot of the Ray and Kylo stuff. But overall, I was... I would say overall I was disappointed. Uh, it's a lot to unpack. Nate Lungarini as an on-the-record Last Jedi detractor. Not hater, detractor. Where did Rise <laughs> of Skywalker land for you? Yeah, I appreciate that distinction. And <laughs> really briefly, just because a lot of people seem to have taken the wrong idea for my stance on Last Jedi, I am not one of those fanboys that was really upset that the fan theories were wrong. Right. I didn't like The Last Jedi because out of the – Three main storylines, Ray, Finns, and Pose. I just was really bored by two of those three storylines. And I'm not going to get deep into it. Go watch the podcast if you really want <laughs> right, to this discussion of all that. We've done this too much in the last month. <laughs> Everybody in the world has done this too much in the yeah. last yeah. I'm two probably years. not going to talk about Star Wars for another two years after mm-hmm. this. Yeah, so I was on the record in that podcast saying I appreciated that Star Wars was trying something new this attempt, or meaning The Last Jedi's, just did not work for me. Now, when it comes to this movie, not particularly high on it either. And a lot of the reason is that it just seems apparent to me that Disney and Lucasfilms and whoever is guiding this franchise as a whole had no real plan on where they wanted the story to go. Star Wars Force Awakens introduced us to some new characters, raised some questions... Last Jedi kind of threw a lot of those questions out the window and told us this is a new kind of Star Wars story. You're focusing too much on the wrong things. And then this movie waffled right back into what Episode 7 did and kind of just threw out Last Jedi, it felt like, for a lot. And yeah, like Jake said, it was kind of spineless of the filmmakers, I felt. A little disappointing. The movie still is a Star Wars movie. And it definitely delivers on a lot of the spectacle you'd expect out of something like this. But the flow and the story are definitely underwhelming. Um, It is a shame. I really wanted to like this one a lot more than I did. Yeah, Nate, I'm pleasantly surprised that we are in agreement. I did not feel like fighting with you for an hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and we still may fight on some things but generally yeah i'm i'm kind of with you there well let's see if drew turns to the dark side let's see where i stand here uh just a quick background really like force awakens thinks it it's one of the safer movies in the franchise but on design to try to get you back into this world and then last jedi 
The questions that J.J. Abrams asked the audience, Nate, I would disagree with you a little bit. I wouldn't say that it said that the questions didn't matter. I mean, partially, yes, it did. I've said that before. But thinking back on it more, it answered the questions, just not in a way that anybody expected or wanted. It didn't have anything to do with legacy, a lot of the things. It didn't have to do with callbacks and nostalgia. They were answers to the questions that deepered certain characters, in my opinion. Transitioning to Rise of Skywalker, it's like Abrams wanted a second shot at answering all of these questions. He didn't like the answer that Ryan Johnson gave, and he wanted to double down and do it again. And we keep saying it's a course correction. It's a little cowardly, to be honest. It's almost immature. I don't like what you said, so I'm going to change it because I get the last word. It's a little bit on J.J. Abrams, but I also think it's on Lucasfilm and Disney for allowing him to yeah. do this. I don't know who the man – like it's a chicken and the egg situation. Like did Lucasfilm tell him write the ship and course correct or did Abrams wanted to do it and Lucasfilm and Disney allow him to kind of basically poise a middle finger to Ryan Johnson's vision? This was definitely one of the more conflicting movie experiences of my life because – this thing is – it's an absolute mess of a script. It's such a roller coaster. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's a roller coaster. It's up and down. The uh, the actual plotting, there's about four hours worth of movie in this two-hour and 20-minute movie. There are rarely any moments to breathe. The Last Jedi is such a patient, slow-moving movie as far as actual story events. This could not be more opposite. It's like a video game at points. Mm-hmm. But it's also – a movie that genuinely touched me. It has a lot of emotion at points. The performances are very good. The spectacle, like you were saying, Nate, is strong. I've seen the movie twice now, and there are things about it I hate, and there are things about it I really like. It is the definition of mixed, if that makes sense. They would do mm-hmm. two things I liked and then one thing I hated, so that kind of translates to mixed positive. I think this is what happens when you don't have a set vision going into a trilogy. You needed a Kevin Feige, like the Marvel movies had. Yeah, absolutely. This is like almost the version of J.J. Abrams emailing Ryan Johnson, being like, per my last email, like nobody had any idea what they were doing as a, as a studio for three movies. What happened? Nate, like you were saying, the one singular vision is really important. Because we're, we're, we're switching voices movie to movie. Yeah. Very radical voices. Yeah. Like artists. So that doesn't work sometimes. You need George Lucas. You need a George – but not specifically George Lucas maybe. But you know what I mean. Like somebody – like yeah. John, like Jam Favreau over at Mandalorian. He's got other people working with him to make the show good. But it's really – he is the creator. He is the one kind of moving the ship forward. Dave Filoni is another good example within canon. He does the Rebel shows. He does the Clone Wars shows. He has other directors that come in and do episodes. But he is the creator. He is the showrunner. You needed a quote-unquote showrunner. We're talking very broad strokes right now, but before we get into spoilers, for people that just are interested if they want to know the movie, we should probably talk about if the characters are good, the actors are good, that kind of thing. So in terms of some positives here, I did think that our main three people, uh, Ray, Poe, and Finn, I still really like these characters, and I think this movie does a good job of keeping them together for more of it, so that way they're great chemistry is useful. Mm-hmm. In Last Jedi, they split them up, and we didn't get a lot of their fun banter. They keep them together for most of this movie, and I think it works very much in the movie's favor. Agreed. I think the the three central characters are all well acted, but I also do feel like Poe and Finn did not get it enough to do here. They were yeah. sidelined a little bit too much for me. I mean, I like the Ray Kylo stuff. 
Which also, to touch on, Adam Driver, very good performance as well. I'm really liking him. Oh my god, him. the best. Adam Driver might be the best actor in Star Wars history. Think about it. Like, pure acting performance beyond just, like, charm and charisma and screen presence. Who's giving a better performance throughout three films than he is? Mm-hmm. He makes a otherwise whiny, angsty character one of my favorite characters yeah. in all of Star Wars, let alone this trilogy. And that is a positive I'll maintain. I do like Kylo and his arc. Overall, I like Rey and what they do with her. Um, I think they're all good actors. But there's, aside from Kylo and Rey, not a whole lot of people get a whole lot to do in this movie. So I liked what they were doing with those two, but what happened to the other characters we were falling in love with? You know what Poe and Finn remind me of is specifically Han in Return of the Jedi, where Han is part of the ride. He's along for it, and it's not like he has a lack of dialogue or anything like that, but there's no, there's no character change, really. Like, they need to invent other characters just for Poe and Finn to have something to do because it's so race-centric for so long, partially as it should be. But at the same time, Last Jedi was able to find a way to have them all have start-to-finish arcs. This movie, like I said, they need to introduce characters that really mean nothing except giving them a springboard for their emotional conflict. So Finn mm-hmm. has Finn has a new character he talks to. Poe is a new character played by Carrie Russell that he talks to. Can we touch on the Finn thing real quick? Because that annoyed me. Because they completely gave the Rose character, Kelly Marie Strand is her name, the actress, right? Yep. They completely, like Ryan Johnson, they just gave her the finger. Yeah. That arc <laughs> is completely out of this movie. And I... We'll get into specifics with her. But yes, I agree. Like, performance-wise, everybody's doing a really good job. I think Driver and Ridley are the standouts, but... Character-wise, not a ton to do for the supporting characters. Except C-3PO, actually. Anthony Daniels probably gets a lot more to do here than I thought he was going to. He was hilarious. I I think he is now officially the only – one of the only characters who appears in all nine films now. And this is by far his best performance. Yeah, (laughs) and he's the only actor because Kenny Baker died. Yeah. Mm. So it's just him. Like, that's incredible. Wow. They do a good job of keeping, like, his normal, nervous, cowardly dialogue, but kind of twisting it on itself. So he's almost unintentionally sarcastic, I guess is the best way to put it. It's really funny. It's yeah. basically what it comes down to. I really enjoyed him. As a noted person who thinks C-3PO sucks eggs, I thought he was pretty good in this. That's the thing about this movie is that a lot of it you can watch if you're not super invested and as, like, a lightweight adventure – It's passable blockbuster entertainment, but overall, when we're talking Star Wars, there are some deep-rooted problems here that we need to get into spoilers to talk about here. Yeah, I think we're we're pretty much there. (laughs) Yeah, so Jake, why don't you give your rating, just if you're listening to us for the first time, we rate movies on the seat scale. If we think a movie has no flaws, we give it a Royal Throne. If we think it's a fantastic movie with minimal flaws, we give it a plush recliner. If it's a decent movie with glaring flaws, wooden seat. The inverse of that, bad movie with semi- Forgivable flaws, we give it a damp lawn chair. And a movie with no redeemable qualities whatsoever, we give a sleazy outhouse too. If we think you need to see it in theaters, we give it a bag of popcorn moniker. So Jake, what do you give Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? Like Andrew said, this is a very conflicting movie. It's a very difficult movie to rate, for sure. And I'm going to tick Nate off here a little bit, because I know he doesn't like what I do this every so often. I'm going to go off the seat scale. And I'm going to say that this movie, because this is what I felt like, this movie feels like the middle seat of a car. Not exactly comfortable, not exactly where you want to be, 
but you're still in the car. You're along for the journey. There are definitely worse seats. And you're just kind of crammed in the back, not really sure what to go, what's going on, what to do. What is a worse seat than the middle seat of a car? You could be in the trunk. You're certainly not in the trunk, but you're certainly not sitting shotgun either. You're not driving. You're in between That's two elite. other. I don't know if I buy this analogy. <laughs> I should have written it, it, it down. It was fine until really... someone questioned it. I should have written it down. I had it really good when I was driving home. <laughs> like it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad seat, but it's just oh, there's so many things about it that are not fun. No, I guess if we're going to make Nate happy, I would give it probably a wooden seat. Tell me how many times you've been in the trunk of a car. I've been in the trunk quite a few times, actually. We don't have to get I into that I feel like here, I though. should be reporting this somewhere. Yeah, yeah that's we right. don't like, have to get into that here. Um, <laughs> Nate is pocket dialing 911. <laughs> <laughs> Are you listening to this? FBI. <laughs> yeah, just everybody go up close to their uh, little camera on their laptop and just say, FBI, if you're listening, please help. <laughs> Jake's been in the trunk how many times? Mm. Um, and I actually, I, I would give it bag of popcorn moniker because how do you not? It's a Star Wars movie, you know? All right, Nate, let's stay on the rails as opposed to some people on this podcast. Whatever. Yeah, get mad at my creativity. Yeah, no, sure. I'm going to be much more straightforward with my rating. This is very similar to me to Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi. Uh, it's a third movie in a trilogy that has some really good moments and some really bad moments, and they even out right in the middle. This is a wooden seat for me. The force is balanced. There's some great scenes and there's some great moments that I enjoyed. And I felt like this is Star Wars. This is good. And then there's some there's some bad dialogue. There's some really questionable story decisions. And there's a whole lot of like, what? Why? Why would you think that's a good idea in this moment yes. kind of things throughout the entire movie? And I was just over the past month, we've gone over all the Star Wars movies and... I'm ranking this one right up there in the slew of mediocre Star Wars movies, and this is one of them. So, wouldn't see for me. This is a big, big talk to the screen movie here. Yes, Very much so. Yes. Mm. <laughs> this is, it's going to be one of those where you're get, we're going to get into spoiler section, and I'm probably going to go off on like five different things, and I'm going to yep. sound angry at those five different things, yep. and probably more, because you guys are going to bring some up stuff that I'll agree with. Mm, yeah. But... I feel like it is important to remember some of the good stuff throughout this movie still makes it an okay watch, but this isn't going to be something I'm going to watch in full. I think for a very long time, this is going to be one where I find the clips of the stuff I want to see again, like the cool fights and the cool sequences and whatnot. And we'll move from there. So for your first viewing, Go ahead, see it in theaters. Try to beat the spoilers before someone spoils it yeah, for you. Yeah, seriously. Because uh, if you hear them off the screen, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you might not want to see the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, very conflicting movie. Um, very tough to get a sense of how you feel about it. Because like I said, the ratio of the things that the movie is doing, I would say two-thirds of it I liked. The, but the one-third of that I didn't like, I really didn't like. It's a very rousing and emotional movie. I think the second half is significantly better than the first half, and we'll get into why when we go beat by beat. It's a interesting ending to the Skywalker saga in the larger context. I don't know if I would say it's a good ending. It's very evocative of Return of the Jedi in terms of it's very busy. It's very distracted. It's not always focusing on the best things. There's a lot of moving around. 
It feels like it maybe could have been two parts. There's a lot of nostalgia. It's just a lot to process. I am in agreement with both of you that it's around wooden seat level. I liked it a little bit better the second time once I could prepare myself for what it was going to do because it is nice to get a sense of finality, and there is a sense of finality here. It's just not nearly as satisfying as I was hoped it was going to be, but I don't think that this is dull, irredeemable, awful like some people are saying it is. I think that is a little bit of hyperbole, but there is a lot of dull and awful things in here that I do want to talk about that we're going oh, yeah. to get into right now. I say bag of popcorn, see it on a big screen. It's Star Wars, of course. So from this point forward, we are going to basically go through the entire plot of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. If you have not seen the film, please do not listen to this. I mean, odds are the internet has already spoiled this for you already. But just for just for, for me, for me, as your Jedi Master here in the Middle Seeds podcast, for everybody else, dive into our spoiler section. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! So guys, right from the opening crawl, this movie kind of announces itself as something familiar. Because we get the dead speak, the first three words of the crawl. First of all, that gets your attention. I like that as a start of a crawl. Like, we've had some good ones. I think my favorite ever Star Wars opening of a crawl was when the Revenge of the Sith one just started with war. Like, mm-hmm. that was cool. But then from there, it's just straight up. They, they just go straight into it. Palpatine's out there. He's sending out a message. He is talking about the revenge of the Sith. Again. Get it? <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> so he's talking about that from a faraway land. And Kylo has no interest in really letting him live. He's going out there, and he's hunting people to kill him. Straight up murdering whole civilizations. By the way, that opening scene apparently is on Mustafar, which... Not clear in the movie at all. Clear in a novelization that they're releasing after the movie that people have seen. Huh. For no reason at all, but yeah. Right. Like, wouldn't you want to mention that? Uh, like, yeah. Like, even in the opening crawl, we come to Kylo wreaking havoc on Mustafar. <laughs> something like, I don't know, something like that. So we transition, we get our first look at Exegol, which is the Sith planet. It's literally, they don't pay their lighting bills at all, and it's just lightning lights the whole thing. We, he goes there, and we find out our first really big reveal, which is that Palpatine basically created Snoke. Snoke was a puppet for Palpatine the entire time. He wasn't just some random dude that came up and corrupted Kylo. Palpatine's been pulling the strings this whole time. And we learn later that they kind of have a throwaway line where they're like, oh, Sith have dark magic, they have cloning, that's how he survived, yada yada. I didn't have a big problem if they're going to bring Palpatine back, you know, Darth Maul survived what he did, and he's not even the top dude. So it makes sense that Palpatine survived. But we've got the final order coming. And just from there, it's pretty much nonstop for like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally the first couple minutes are right away Disney going, look, 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 we're going to undo The Last Jedi a little bit. Here's Snoke's backstory, and here's a hint at who Ray's parents are. Happy now? Stay engaged. And I was rolling my eyes for minute two. <laughs> yeah, it's a good start for sure. Oh, lordy. Yeah, Snoke's thing isn't really satisfying, but I didn't really care in Last Jedi, so I really didn't care too much here either. I, I did have a little bit of the Emperor being back, because him being there doesn't really do anything for Vader's story. It, like, he was supposed to bring balance to the Force, remember? And True. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, right off from the get-go, the whole six 
movie series up to yeah. this point was all about how Vader needed to turn back to the light Very side true. at the last minute to overthrow evil. No, actually, like, you basically just stunned him for 30 years. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. And even for, for me, from a different Palpatine perspective, not that I hate this, but I kind of wanted them to stop bringing back the old characters into this new trilogy. Like, let these characters hold themselves. It's the same issue that Spectre had for the James Bond series where they needed, what's his name, Blofeld? Yeah. The one I got, yeah. Like, they made him responsible for the events of the previous three movies, starting with Casino Royale. And it's it's silly. I don't know where Hollywood got this idea that having a master puppeteer say, oh, all those other bad guys, I was their master this whole time. I have never found that satisfying. I like it better when a villain just comes out of nowhere and messes with our heroes. And that's what Snoke was. That's what Kylo Ren was. The Emperor didn't need to be behind it all. Yeah. (laughs) It's more the familiarity thing than anything. It's like, are you guys not buying into what we're doing here with the First Order? Well, here's a familiar face. And it's like, ugh. Oh, boy. He's not looking too hot either. Like, half of his fingers are gone. He's He's even uglier than he was. He's basically dead. Yeah. And his plan, I mean, obviously assembling the fleet is pretty intimidating. Like, I do like the idea that they all have... Starkiller-based technology on every single fleet. Like, that's a way to up the ante in a way I think that's pretty credible. But his plan as far as Rey and Kylo goes is pretty confusing because as we learn about Rey, I guess we'll just say it now. It's the big one. It's the big (laughs) one. So instead of her being nobody, she is Palpatine's granddaughter. Dun, dun, dun. Which I, I called it as soon as Palpatine hinted at it. I'm like, and here it is. Yeah. First of all, Who's f***ing Palpatine? <laughs> That's my, like, he's raw-dogging in people on Tatooine, like, or Jakku, or, like, uh, what's going I, on, bro? I got nothing. And for, for me, and I'm unfortunately this is going to happen a couple times, but that undermines the anybody-can-be-force-sensitive and special message of Last Jedi. And I love that. I love that if you work hard and believe, anybody can work with the Force. But now it has to be a bloodline thing. It's got to be a DNA thing. Yeah. It kind of undercuts the dyad and what makes the dyad between the two of them so interesting because that's a new concept that we haven't seen in movies. Um, I'm sure they've gone over it in the canon at some point, but basically the idea that they are more powerful together than they are apart and the idea that Ben came from legacy and she came from nothing made it more powerful. And I think Palpatine's plan still could have worked and still been something that was in this movie, but they didn't have to be related. Like, think about how much more powerful yeah. it is if she's been – he's been hunting her for years, but they weren't related. She's just so strong that he can sense her from all the way across the galaxy. I think that's more powerful. And it doesn't change anything of the plot. I agree. Right. I think yeah. this series is the series with the biggest family reveal of all time with Darth Vader being Luke's father. Mm-hmm. It is hands down the best reveal ever in terms of – bloodlines you know so why on earth would you make a new trilogy focusing on another big reveal it was never gonna live up to any expectations well because we're we are expecting it is the problem yeah people are so absorbed in their fan theories they should have done in episode seven that ray's parents not being in the picture didn't matter like they could have just died in the sand somewhere and it would have been a tragic backstory kind of thing but you didn't need to make it this whole mystery that was going to be underwhelming no matter who it was, whether it was Obi-Wan Kenobi, whether yeah. it was going to be like another Skywalker cousin, whatever. 
a Palpatine, it's it's not as satisfied. We've already seen the best this series can do. So yeah. don't bother trying to match it. Make something new. Well, let's get there. Let's let's transition yeah. there. Let's go slow. Let's move out of this scene because there was a lot to address there. That's you were already, yeah. Look, we're already mad. <laughs> we're already getting pissed. <laughs> Basically, we get intro- we get reintroduced to Poe and Finn and their new slug friend and Chewie and BB-8. And we find out that there is some kind of spy in the First Order telling them about the Final Order. And then we transition back to the Rebel planet. By the way, cool concept, I think, on that chase scene with Poe and Finn. The idea of yes. how do you get around the fact that they can track you through light speed. You light speed jump. You go from place to place. I thought that yeah, was like, an like interesting skip around, way basically. to do that. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was really cool, too. I did like that aspect. You put on planet shuffle, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was fun character reintroductions for Finn and Poe in that scene. Again, I missed that. These characters were immediately uh, meshing well in the first movie, and I missed that in Last yeah. Jedi because we didn't see a whole lot of it. Right off the get-go, they're together. There are new uh, co-leads in this scene, and I was I was on board again. It felt like Star Wars again. Yeah. So then we transition to the base planet, basically Endor Light that the Resistance is hanging out on. Um, Ray has been training. She's still getting visions of Kylo. She's still getting visions of her parents. That hasn't completely stopped haunting her yet. And there's this whole idea, we go back to the idea of legacy. Ray feels like she has to earn the lightsaber that Luke gave her. And she has to earn Leia's trust. And it's less about her journey again. It's back to she has to earn the right to be a Jedi leader like a Skywalker was. From there, she has these books that tell her about the Wayfinders, which is MacGuffin number one of like seven in this movie. Like again, it's like a video game. Find the artifact. Go talk to the general that can get you the artifact. Mesh B five times. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a plot hole thing or something I missed. Where did she get these books from? Because Luke destroyed all those books in the fire in the last movie. Did Leia have them? Did they ever make that clear? The book with all of Luke's writings on it. Uh, did he not burn all of them? That's the only explanation. Maybe I have. he kept that one elsewhere. Yeah, maybe that's it. Who knows. Who cares? It's Ryan Johnson now. You're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, so we go off on our adventure, but Rose has to stay behind because she has to read about old Star Destroyers. That's why she can't go on the adventure. She needs to go read books about old ships. There's no one else that can do that, just Rose. That's why she stays behind. That's the only reason Disney chose to do that. No other reason whatsoever. So the real reason is that there were a bunch of honestly pissed off and semi-racist fanboys who gave her some heat over social media. And Disney was like, uh-oh, there's the tantrum. We don't like tantrums. Sorry, Rose. She had to leave social media. It got so bad. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. like, oh, sorry, Rose character. Our fans don't really take to you. I didn't personally care for the character in the movie, but to go after the actual actress that's messed up. Like, it's that's never so needed. low, guys. Stop. It's never called for. Yeah. Yeah, and so she gets nothing really to do here. She has a couple of lines. Any kind of chemistry she built with Finn is gone. She never had a yep. chance to build any other character with anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, no romance between them whatsoever, whatever. They they basically write her out of the movie. It's In my opinion, it's pretty disrespectful, but whatever. R2-D2 also stays behind for a very specific reason that we'll get into later because it would completely negate uh, one – dramatic thing they tried to fake us out with later on we basically go off we go on a journey to basically coachella star wars edition on this desert planet (laughs) with like pig people too 
I like that they even they even talk about it. Oh, this festival happens once every forty two years. What a coincidence. Whatever. <laughs> forty two years, by the way. <laughs> forty two years. Do the math, guys. Nineteen seventy seven was forty two years ago. That's a cute little thing. Dun dun dun. Little Easter egg. Ah. Okay. I'm not as I'm not as eye rolly as I was. Yeah. So when they're on there, Ray gets basically another vision from Kylo, and there's an important little foreshadowing in this sequence that I think we probably all noticed. He basically says, when I offer you my hand again, you're going to take it. What? She's going to cut off his hand? Yeah. They do like doing that in Star Wars a lot. <laughs> they do like doing that all Star Wars. Yeah. Though. Like, I've never seen anybody mm. cut off a foot in Star Wars. It's always a, it's always a hand. <laughs> it's more disrespect. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, Lando's just randomly on this planet. And, you know, you had to bring him in somehow, but... I don't know. It felt kind of ham-fisted to me. He was just they like, do explain it because the first time I saw it, I was like, absolutely yes. They explain that when Luke went to go find this wayfinder, basically he, he went to go find the wayfinder, which was being held on the ship of this Sith, like Sith assassin. Basically, I forget the guy's name. Uh, he's an ugly-looking guy. He's dead now. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Ugly-looking dead guy. Lando went with him, but I guess he stayed on the planet for thirty years. Like that seems a little weird to me. Mm-hmm. Especially when the resistance is still a thing, I don't. Right, like, they never really explain why he left. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes. <laughs> he goes. My flying days are over, and they don't ask a follow up why. Mm-hmm. Like top five pilot of the galaxy is not flying anymore. All right, sure, whatever. Yeah, whatever. So then we have that cool chase sequence with the stormtroopers going out on the, going out in like the canyon essentially. Yeah, like mix of pod racing location, but on speeders from Return of the Jedi. Good one-two punch there of nostalgia. Some of the way mm-hmm. these stormtroopers die is pretty brutal. Anybody have a favorite kill from that scene? The rope tether. That was pretty was awesome. Pretty brutal. <laughs> that, yeah, for me, I was like, oh, okay, that was pretty cool. You caught my attention again? All right. There's one of them that hits the ground and goes limp immediately, and they, like, linger on the body. Like, Jesus, JJ. Seriously, Whoa, man? Disney. <laughs> you right with that? And then we have the Star Wars version of Quicksand, basically, where they get sucked down into the tunnel system. Finn teases something to Ray, like, Ray, I never told you. And then they go down uh, and then they, they circle back around to it. And he goes, I'll tell you later. But then the movie forgets about it because he never tells her later. Yeah. Nope. They, they hug at the end of the movie. <laughs> and that's all that goes. And so my thought was he was going to say something romantic. Jake, you told me it's some JJ says it's something different. Apparently, because, yes, the movie forgot to tell us what that was. Somebody asked him on like some kind of panel or whatever, and apparently he wasn't going to say, Ray, I've always loved you. Apparently he was going to say, I believe I'm force sensitive. What? What a bad time to tell her, even if that's what they were going to say. I guess that maybe that's why they cut it out. I don't know. Oh, boy. So basically we run into this like – what would you call it? Like a worm? Would you call it a worm or like a snake? snake. Or- yeah. Yeah, she force healed the, the snake. And <laughs> – the Force has been pretty overpowered for a couple movies now. Yeah, now... Right, yes. <laughs> absurd. Now it's like instant heal. And again, going back to the previous six movies before this trilogy, Anakin's big thing was how he wanted to learn yep. the dark side of the Force yeah. to heal people. And Ray here is just busted out like, oh yeah, I could just heal any wound instantaneously now. Yeah. I talked about this briefly in our Force Awakens recording. Yeah, I, I thought of you when we when they showed that scene. One of my biggest issues with Rey as a character is that she's just so good at everything she tries without 
any kind of explanation or struggle to get there. And it seems like this, where it's kind of boring to watch. It's like watching like a level 100 Pokemon steam through Route 1 in the beginning levels of the game. Right. Did everybody follow that? And there's no drama there if she's just steamrolling every challenge in front of her. Yeah, I would love to have subtitles when BB-8 goes up to her, because I bet BB-8 said something like, what the f*** was that? Yeah, how did you like, do that? How did you do that? Like, <laughs> Finn was in a coma. You couldn't do that earlier? <laughs> it's okay to develop the Force as a concept. Like, I, I don't have a problem with that, but this is a big one. Like, why didn't Obi-Wan use this on Padme to bring her back to life? Why didn't Luke do this to Vader when he was super injured at the end of Return of the Jedi? Why didn't anybody ever use this? It kind of sounds like they didn't know how at the time. Maybe Rey is so powerful she kind of figured it out. But then that's a different problem for me. So, like, yeah. I can buy that nobody else yeah. knew how. But she's too strong. <laughs> right, yeah. And, like, I never, I never totally felt how you felt, Nate. She does pick things up fast, and it was a little head-scratchy to me, but I didn't have an issue with it. But in this movie, I was like, all right, this is like all-time powerful force with almost no teacher. And in this movie in particular, so much of the movie is the side characters and even the main characters like Poe and Finn waiting around for yeah. Rey to do something amazing. And it, it gets old. It gets old quick. So this is like our first major issue of it. But this happens like three more times throughout the movie, especially when we yeah. go on the MacGuffin hunt, you know? It's it's too much. It's too much. We'll talk about when they use force life at other points coming up. We go above ground. Ray senses something, and it's because Kylo's coming to get her. So they have their kind of Clint Eastwood Western moment. She cuts off the arm of his ship, and just as he's approaching, Finn yells that Chewie's been kidnapped. We see Chewie, like, walking out. We see – by the way, let's just address this now. The Knights of Ren suck. They – yeah. suck they do yeah, nothing was, in this i like when they introduced them i was like oh cool that's a really cool idea i'm gonna like this wow i was wrong <laughs> they don't do anything it's just his stupid boy band <laughs> yeah who don't who don't do anything yeah literally nothing this whole scene is so weird to me because essentially what happens is chewie gets kidnapped ray and kylo have their force battle with chewie's ship but the whole setup to get here is essentially that the rock that the Sith ship is on is so big that there's kidnappers on one side and mm. Kylo coming from the other side. Get rid of the Knights of Ren from that scene. Have the Empire kidnap Chewie and maybe mm. the Empire brought Kylo Ren along with them so that way Rey's distracted while Chewie's getting kidnapped instead of having it literally happen on two sides of a rock. <laughs> it's just right. It's just dumb. We forgot to mention an important detail, which is that not only is Chewie kidnapped, but this, like, f***ing dagger that they care about a lot that has Sith language on it that only C-3PO can read is also in their possession now. So they're having their whole strain off. I agree. The spacing of it doesn't make sense at all. This entire movie is so rushed. There, was, there were moments where I really – I was feeling like, can we slow down for a second? Like, this entire movie is just go, 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 but not in a fun Force Awakens way. Go, go is in, like – we have so much to cover. Let's get there. And I'm like, everybody calm down for a second. When I'm giving this plot synopsis, I've only skipped probably two or three down moments. Like you've get, you're getting the movie. Yeah. And that's a problem. <laughs> I agree completely. There's no fat, mm. but sometimes it's good to have a little bit of like fat. Actually, fat's not the right word. Fat implies that it's not important. Right. There's there's no downtime. That's the best. You way need to, to chew your food. We're getting stuffed right now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Seriously, yeah. Nate can definitely attest to this better than I can because I don't know anything about editing and he does. But this feels like choppy editing to me too. Like it's just so 
I don't know. Uh, it's a bloated script. I think the <laughs> script is really more bloated. the yeah, yeah. The script is the issue. So we get our our force pull off on the on the convoy, and cool scene. I like this scene. Yeah, cool scene. I like the end result with the lightning too. I thought that was pretty cool and a pretty shocking reveal. Again, works divorced from her being Palpatine's parents. Maybe, maybe she has a little bit of Sith in her. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I did not buy for one second that Chewie was on there. There was not a single second that I thought he was like dead. <laughs> they would never, ever, ever kill him like that. I actually did because, well, later on they tell you he was on a different transport, which is comical because where? What are you talking yeah, about? that line is being memed all over the place. Because that's so ridiculous. I thought there was only one transport, like a normal person, and we saw him get on. So I really did think they killed Chewie like that, and my – Unwillingly to me, my body squirmed in a way that I debated walking out of the theater for a second. I was like, if this is where the movie's going, I'm not finishing it. Wow. Because I really did buy it for a second and I was pissed. I was kind of halfway between your camps. If this had been any other director than J.J. Abrams, I think Chewie might have died in that scene. Mm. Ryan Johnson Mm. probably would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. It's more important to Ray than it is to that entire, oh my god, Chewie, no. Because you never buy it, in my opinion. So... They still need to find this Wayfinder, basically. So C-3PO is the only one that can read the dagger. He has it stuck in his head. They need to go to a different planet and meet my boy, Babu Frick. Favorite new <laughs> character. What a G. This guy has, like, Kerry Russell and everybody else working on his payroll. He works at a bar where John Williams is the bartender. <laughs> oh, that was John Williams' cameo. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, they linger on it the second time. I, I, like, I didn't notice it the first time, but the second time, it, huh. oh, that's John Williams. So we go, we go to this planet. Poe has a connection to this planet, to Carrie Russell's character. We find out he was kind of like a scoundrel beforehand, the most scoundrelly backstory that we know about him. Was he a spice runner, I think is what they yeah. said? Yep. <laughs> Interesting. What? Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. But again, she's just there for him to have someone to talk to. C-3PO allows them to erase his memories so that they can bypass it and get the Sith text out of him so we don't need the dagger. Mm-hmm. Touching kind of scene because C-3PO yeah, I, okay. is sacrificing himself. Really, really quick aside. There's so much to nitpick about this movie, and I apologize, fans, but why not save a backup of his memory to put back into him later? Because R2-D2 was able to pull that off. Right? That's like right. the first thing they tell you in intro to technology in college. Like, literally, save your data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Even I know that. Whatever. We'll, we're going to get stuck in the minutiae of it. Carry on with the plot. Because <laughs> we're not going to want to talk about that later. The reason R2 doesn't come with them is because it gives the dramatic weight, quote unquote, of C-3PO forgetting everything, even though he's just going to remember it again an hour later. Like, if R2 is with them, he just restores the memory right there. There. That's done. But – Whatever. We like we like fake outs here in this movie. So C-3PO tells them where the Wayfinder is. Ray just gets a sense that Chewie is alive on Kylo's ship. Like, don't know why she didn't have it before, but now she's got it. He must she must have been on a different mm-hmm. he must have been on another transport. That's the line. So they go up there. Third MacGuffin, Carrie Russell's character has this little captain's medallion that helps them sneak onto the ship. In literally the same scene. Yeah. Why waste time <laughs> getting up there and using a MacGuffin if it's literally just your scene transition? I, I didn't get the point of that. <laughs> it's bad writing is what it is, to be honest. It's, like it's, it's just to make you feel bad for this masked character we've literally met five minutes ago. I don't care. Let's do Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, oh, everybody gets up on the ship. 
and they split up because Ray really needs to go find the dagger, even though they know where they're going now. But she just feels like she needs a dagger for some reason. They go to rescue Chewie. They get caught. And then we find out who is the spy in the First Order. It's Hux, played by Dom Gleason. I didn't think this paid off at all, by the way. I didn't mind it, honestly. I thought it was kind of cute. Yeah, it makes sense to me because he doesn't really like the Resistance, but he hates Kylo even more. And they've kind of set that up. Like, Kylo throws him yeah. around so much in the first two movies. They have, but to me it feels kind of childish, especially his line. I think his line was the worst than anything. I don't care if you guys win or lose. I need Kylo to root to lose. Oh, so we're 11 in a, on a kickball field. Okay. That's always been his character, though, kind of, right? He's kind of been yeah. like a petulant yeah. child. He's a like, jerk. He's never liked Kylo, but... That specifically, I was like, oh, this is this is a little dumb. He's like the classic annoying guy from um, Ghostbusters and Die Hard. I forget who that actor is, but you know the one I'm talking about. Yes, yep. The annoying guy who was just like in everyone's way. The one that works for like the EPA or whatever in, in exactly, Ghostbusters. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, <laughs> it's true, sir. This man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that guy. <laughs> so whatever. It's, it's a fun little moment. Chewie's back. I mean, it pays off immediately because Hux gets blown away by Richard E. Grant's new character. Like yeah. they don't even let him be like a spy anymore after that. It's it, it's good. It's a cool spineless non-bombastic way for such a spineless character to go. Yeah, and we get our first big lightsaber fight in two different locations at the same time, which is cool, yeah. but very different from what the Force has been. I, I feel like there was a really big power creep in the Force in between not even this series and the previous trilogy, but this movie and the previous movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that just like, whoa, the Force does that between people now? That's right. kind of weird and crazy. and Cool fight scene. That's about it. Yeah, I thought all of the lightsaber stuff was really cool. Yeah, me too. I liked a lot of the fights and lightsaber stuff. Yeah, so they escape the ship. We get, we get the reveal that we told you earlier. Uh, Kylo and Rey have a talk, complete the talk up in the hangar bay. He reveals that she is the granddaughter of Palpatine. They leave. And then from there, we go to the planet in the Endor system where the Death Star is. The dagger has another meaning. The reason she had to go back and get the dagger is because it has like a compass in it, kind of. It, I, I thought that was kind of. I thought that was kind of dumb. It's an outline of the remains of the Death Star, which is a stupid thing because the dagger was supposed to be kind of ancient or at least old, because <laughs> when the Sith were running around with it, right, they weren't in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it had the outline before the Death Star was even a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the equivalent of the stupid Aquaman statues <laughs> where you're just like oh that's what points to it you know <laughs> i forgot about those <laughs> who cares just have ray sense where the object is it can permeate a dark energy and she can sense the force around it done yeah. you don't need to go back for the dagger you don't need to have this stupid national treasure moment <laughs> right so they're supposed to wait to go into the throne room and find the wayfinder she does not wait she goes ahead she steals a skimmer and goes herself Kind of a cool callback climbing through the Death Star. It kind of reminded me when she was inside the ATAT, uh, or not yeah. the ATAT, or whatever she was inside the old the, Star Destroyer. The Star Destroyer, yeah. Right. She lives in the ATAT. Um, she finds the throne room and she gets encountered by basically her as a Sith with that kind of cool Swiss Army knife thing. I, I don't think there was any second that I didn't think that was going to be some kind of vision. Dream sequences, yeah. Whatever. It's a cool look. Kylo's there and they have. Probably their biggest fight of the series. It's a pretty cool lightsaber fight. It's a pretty cool location with the 
the waves crashing and Finn trying to get close, but them pushing him back. They jump through the waves. It's a really intense scene. I think it's, I for me, this is the pivot point because from this moment on, the movie starts to focus more specifically on Rey and Kylo's conflict. Mm. Like, I think my only big issue with this scene is that Finn and what's her name that I already forgot. I don't really I, care if I'm being honest. <laughs> I don't remember Same. her name either. Yeah, I'm with you. Let me look it up. Here. Jana. Ja- Jana. 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 All right, whatever. There was no reason to spend five minutes of an already bloated movie making Finn go out there to do nothing in that fight. This was all about Ray and Kylo at this point and that internal struggle. And Finn being there didn't add anything to that conflict. You could have had like a cool like, oh, I have to choose between saving Finn or killing Kylo kind of scene and like made it like between her own motives or her friend. Like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah, like a Spider-Man scene. Or you could have had this be her turning moment where she completely throws away her friends and she's straying way too close to the dark side by being so selfish and aggressive in this scene. Either of those are fine, but they split it halfway. <laughs> and Finn was there literally as a waste of time. He didn't do anything. He didn't say anything to her. He didn't try to shoot Kylo. It was just, oh, I'm going to watch and be sad for you. Mm. Why? <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, like at first I thought... It kind of makes sense that he would want to go after her, but then, yeah, I guess you're kind of right. <laughs> like, it didn't add up to anything. I like the idea of him running after her, but he he should have been too late, I think, maybe. Like, he gets there and they're already gone, or Kylo's just sitting there or Agreed. something like that. I, I understand what you're saying. So the big thing happens where Rey overpowers him and stabs him. Basically, Leia one last time reaches out to her, him, and both of them, actually. More, she says specifically Ben, but Ray feels her presence as well, and that's what kills Leia. This was a lose-lose because, of course, Carrie Fisher tragically passed away in 2016, and she had already finished most of her stuff for Last Jedi, but she had done nothing for Rise of Skywalker. Like, she didn't have to be a part of this movie, but I, I feel like she was always going to be in some capacity. I don't know. Yeah, as far as, like, handling her tragic passing, um, I think that's about as good as it's going to get. She reached out to her son one last time and it touched him. It was... A kind of a nice moment, but there's only so much they could really do with it. It's just tough timing. So reached out to her son and almost got him killed. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and then Ray force-sealed him. That'll come back again one more time later. We'll talk about that in a mm-hmm. bit. But Ray dashes off. She takes Kylo's uh, TIE fighter, his ship. Kylo has a very emotional scene. I, I think I hit this on my predictions last pod, right? That we would see Han again? Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. I did. And that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually. I thought that was an extremely well-acted, tender scene between two great performers. And that was an example of a callback I really liked because of the whole just looks at him and he says, I know. Like, that's a beautiful, beautiful payoff for that. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I was was cool with that, too. So Kylo obviously throws his lightsaber in the ocean. uh, And then from there, we're heading, barreling towards our big climax. Rey goes to Octo, and of course... To no one's surprise, Luke is there as a force ghost, gives her a discussion and a talk about how what he did was wrong, how he was motivated by fear, but Jedi cannot live in fear. And if she doesn't go to confront Palpatine, the war will be lost and all the Jedi will be lost. So she knows what she has to do, but she learns something else important about Leia's character. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. (laughs) Jake, you go first. 
Uh, I'm all cool with Leia being force sensitive, but randomly giving us one clip of her kind of besting Luke in a saber battle was whatever. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan. It felt so out of place for me. Yeah. Uh, that she's like a flat out full on lightsaber Jedi. You know, I kind yeah. of liked how there were different types of force sensitivity and Leia had this dynamic leader quality to her. So why wouldn't we have known prior to this movie that she was running around with a lightsaber for a little bit and just said, eh, not for me kind of thing. It just felt so fan service, fan servicey out of place. And again, the only other really interaction that we've had with her with the force was her Mary Poppins scene from last Jedi, which I thought was silly. You guys had your own opinions, but even, even I'm kind of with you on that. Again, another piece of a puzzle that I felt like was there just for the, oh, didn't see that coming moment, instead of actually being pertinent to the story. It mm. didn't add anything. It was just like, oh, did you know that Leia also had a lightsaber and made her own and was a Jedi and then decided, you know what? I don't want to teach my own son, Kylo Ren, how to be a Jedi. I'm going to send him over to Luke and they'll take care of right. it. Well, I mean, there's there is something that it does very importantly foreshadow is that she has a feeling that this lightsaber is going to be used in some kind of capacity, quote-unquote, finishing her journey. Luke is implying that, like, Rey is going to be the one to, quote-unquote, finish her journey with that saber. But it's really Kylo, as we find out later. Yeah. So that's the that's the whole purpose of the scene, is to uh, more foreshadowing. I, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with her having dipped her, tested the waters, basically, of how much she could do. I don't, I don't have an issue with that, but yeah, it was a little... Out of place, I think, is the best way to put it. I don't mind her making a lightsaber and learning how to use one, but they make her, like, a full-fledged Jedi Knight for a scene. And I was like, why? Yeah, and then she never used it again. Yeah. yeah it, it doesn't add anything to who she has been for the last five movies that she's been in. Yeah. So we were saying there were different levels of Force sensitivity. Like, Finn has a little bit. I liked Leia's little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That works for her. She doesn't need to be a full-fledged Jedi Knight and, you know, competing with Luke for who's a better saber wielder or whatever. It's just not necessary. Yeah. So back at the Resistance base, they're all mourning the death of Leia. Uh, Oscar Isaac and Billy D. Williams have a really nice scene. I don't know if Billy D. got back to the Resistance. I'm sure he figured it out somehow. But th- it's the closest thing to character <laughs> development for Poe for the entire movie where they have a discussion like, how did you lead? How did you beat the Empire? And it's like, we had each other. We had friends. I like that mm. scene a lot. Basically, that little Devo ha- has been to Exegol before, so they were able to tap into him. That's how they know where they're going. Ray uses Luke's Starfighter, which, by the way, Another cool callback of him lifting it out of the ocean as a force yeah. host, I thought. Mm-hmm. They all travel there, and then we yeah, get our that's big That's some climax. of the nostalgia I like. Yeah, we get our big climax, which is basically the Emperor confronting Rey, Rey being there as this big Sith audience, like a big Sith stadium, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> like, random. but It was something. <laughs> basically, what Palpatine wants is for Rey to kill him and then ascend to the throne. Kylo comes in. I don't know how the hell Kylo got there, but he comes back. And so we have all that stuff there. I think we'll talk. Let's talk about this in segments. Let's talk about that and talk about what's going up in the sky as two separate things. So do you want to do sky first? Because I feel like that's simpler. Yeah, sure. We can do sky first. So basically they're trying to take out the tracking thing or or satellite thing that ties all the ships. It doesn't matter. Spaceships and then some horseback riding or whatever there are like. (laughs) moose back riding or yeah this is where the movie just got so predictable and it applies to everything in this climax i didn't feel surprised by anything that happened 
So focusing just on the spaceships to start, as soon as our characters were getting discouraged, you knew we were going to have like oh, the yeah. Avengers portal scene where all the other spaceships were going to come and people were going to show up. Like, I don't know how you could have watched this movie and not thought that was going to happen. Yeah, I thought of that too. There's one other moment that's evocative of Avengers Endgame, but we'll talk about that when we get down to the Palpatine part. The lower level. Yeah. So the fact that we have this entire fleet of Star Destroyers just go out so simply and so Phantom Menace style, you know, it was, it was just silly to me. And Star Destroyer, Star Destroyers with actual world-destroying technology on them, which was kind yeah. of, like Andrew said, kind of cool. And then, I don't know. And the entire fleet was helpless because they couldn't, they couldn't navigate. Why couldn't you have a navigation system in each individual ship? I don't know. They all have the star-killing <laughs> abilities, but they don't have that in them. Yeah. It's all a freaking GPS to your world-class weapons. Right. Oh, my goodness. It was it was a dumb way to make what was an intimidating fleet freaking babies glued to the floor. It was, it was very silly, in my opinion. And right. I never felt any stakes. I didn't feel like I was going to lose any characters. Like, there was no Independence Day sacrifice yourself moment in all this. Right. They tried to sell you that Finn was going to do it, but I never bought it because he already had that moment in Last Jedi and they already took it away right. from him. So it was, it was very anticlimactic. Uh, the whole space fight was just – we've seen this before in better Star Wars movies. Right. I don't know how <laughs> Carrie Russell was part of that too because her planet got destroyed and she gave away the only thing that could get her off the planet. So right, I how did she too. survive? Because she looks kind of cool and she had a moment with Poe and the audience would want her there. So she Poe was. needs someone to mac on later. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> why couldn't all these people round themselves together and defeat – the first order in the first movie, <laughs> right? Like this is this is them at their all time high, and a whole bunch of scraps from everyone all over the galaxy is able yeah, to like, take out the ultimate fleet. <laughs> it reminded me of Dunkirk. They're not troops; they're people. It was like, oh, like the ending of Dunkirk, <laughs> right? Why do they have? Except not quite as cool. Why do they have hope now? Like it's the odds are way worse now. Like where was the yeah. hope before? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Going back down, Kylo and Rey finally team up. They have that moment where it looks like. Ray is going to kill the Emperor. She reaches back. She hands him Leia's lightsaber. I would assume Leia's lightsaber. And he takes care of the Knights of Ren in about 40 seconds. Showing, again, <laughs> culminating right. the uselessness. If they're his knights, he did not do a good job of training them. He did a really bad job. Because they were oh, no boy. match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they go there. They go to confront the Emperor. But the Emperor shows that he has been not showing his true power. He sucks the life out of them, becomes powerful himself, then shoots lightning up into the sky and takes out literally every single ship opposing him. Like, the power just drained completely from all of the ships. Also, there was a little part of me that was annoyed because we got a sky beam, and I really thought Hollywood was moving away from that. <laughs> so I was like, wow, we're doing this too? To be fair, it was lots of little beams. Yeah, yeah, it was, yes. it was, it was like the ultimate sky beam, yeah. There was a part of me that kind of went, oh, we're doing this again. Okay. Yeah. He sends Kylo off into the distance. Rey is basically knocked out. She wakes up because she finally – they foreshadowed it earlier in the movie where she's asking the Jedi to be with her when we first see her and they're not with her. And then every Jedi in the movies, in the TV shows, you hear snippets of them. You hear Samuel L. Jackson. You hear Liam Neeson. You hear Hayden Christensen. You hear the voice actress that plays Ahsoka in the show. Oh, you Mark obviously Kenobi. hear yep. Luke. You hear Yoda. You hear Ewan McGregor. And Alec Guinness, I think both of them. And that gives her the strength to 
get both sabers and defeat him. And her big line that reminded me of Endgame is she says, and I am all the Jedi. And I, in my head, I go, oh, am, am I I man? rolled my eyes. <laughs> all right. If, he, if you can bear with me, and I do apologize in advance, but there's just so much to unpack in this scene. So I'm just going to start with mm-hmm. the Emperor here. His plan throughout the movie, kill Rey. But then his plan when he's she gets there is you have to kill me and I am going to take over your body when you do. And my thing is like, why are you telling this to her out loud? If he didn't say anything, she would have killed you and you would have won. Right. <laughs> he loves to talk shit. Right. And it gets him in trouble. Like, Oh my God. All right. But then Kylo shows up now as a officially Ben Solo. And he's like, oh wait, you don't need to kill me. I can kill both of you and get all my powers back. Easy peasy. So he switches his plan again. <laughs> and this whole charade ends with Ray standing up to him with one lightsaber, pushing back on him with two, the power of two lightsabers, defeats the entire guy who just destroyed an entire fleet of enemy ships with his fingertips. <laughs> and my favorite part is that he kills himself with his own lightning, which he could have stopped shooting at any time. <laughs> Why'd you keep zapping yourself, bro? I guess for me, it was like, who's stronger? He's trying to overpower her. She's trying to overpower him. And she's, the lightsabers resemble Luke and Leia. I get it. But it just comes off a little cheesy. More than cheesy. It. I was a little angry at this point. I just thought everything here was so fanficy, convoluted, and just cheesy, dumb block. <laughs> I can't even come up with good words for it anymore. I was I was annoyed. I was actually annoyed by it. I didn't this. mind that specific thing too much because I was so wrapped up in it by that point. I I think John Williams does a lot of the heavy lifting, <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest. <laughs> so cool. It's a great music video then. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. as a finale to your trilogy, like this is not the end of the movie. This is the end of three movies right of here. nine movies. To be just so silly. Mm-hmm. So silly and so cliche. This this is what I meant when I was when I thought it felt like a roller coaster. So so like right like Palpatine's plan, eh? Uh, Ray and Kylo fighting, helping each other. Cool. Them getting defeated and Palpatine, you know, revealing more of his plan. Eh? And then Ray calling back and getting all the Jedi's help. I like. And then how she feels Palpatine. I was like, eh. Like it's just such a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down. I was like. Give me, give me something to hold on to and he, keep me there. Okay, so she kills Palpatine. That, for some reason, knocks out the entire fleet or leaves them all vulnerable, pretty much. They destroy the fleet. The The whole mission is saved. Rey looks like she's going to die. And then we find out Kylo didn't actually die. He just, I guess, caught surprise, himself. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Well, apparently deep holes don't mean anything in Star Wars anymore. Palpatine survived his big pit. <laughs> so did Darth Maul. Yeah, I mean, they all do. Yeah, right. I'm sure, Boba, I'm sure Boba Fett did. We just haven't learned that yet. He's around somewhere. <laughs> Han probably survived that fall. We don't even know. <laughs> uh, so basically, Kylo does the force transfer thing to Rey, brings her back to life. They share a tender moment. You're like, oh, that's sweet. I knew he was going to die. I could, I could tell because yeah. – that's that's a lie. That's not that's not healing a wound for somebody that's never done it. But just before, oh, I need to take a breath. Sorry, I'm getting mad. I'm getting <laughs> mad before you even say it. I'm getting mad. This is it's like it's like E. L. James took over the script for like half a half a page. Like the the writer of Fifty Shades of Grey. This was like this might be my least favorite part of the movie. They they French kiss hard, smack some tongue together, 
They do the deed with their lips. <laughs> oh, I was I was mad. I out. So there was a kid next to me who who must be pretty cool on Star Wars. Must kind of know his stuff and not be absorbed in fan fiction because he the kid whoever he was next to me was like, "Don't kiss, don't kiss, don't kiss." No, 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 no. And then he and I simultaneously had awful reactions because when they did it, I out loud went, "God damn it!" <laughs> like, ah, oh, come on. Like, stop handing everything to us. I said, what the us. hell? Yeah. No, there's like an entire row in my theater that screams, oh, hell no. I want my money back. <laughs> oh. Verbatim. Oh, man. <laughs> Verbatim. They were living. <laughs> see, I, see, in my theater, some people clapped and wooed, and I was like, nope, not for yeah, me. People, yeah. I'm, yeah, people I'm pissed clapped in my now. theater. No, I'm pissed. I, just like, I don't, I don't even, we don't have time to unpack all of it. <laughs> the wise words of Mr. Malia. Let, let's just start with the fact that they've never had romantic chemistry. Like, well, I, I'll push back on that. They no, they've had force connections. They had the force connection that was definitely a bond, not romantic, but it was definitely a bond. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying. Uh, right. I'm close that. with you guys. I'm not kissing you over anything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the most egregious part of this whole scene is that. It's over in five seconds. There's no time to let Ray's apparent death, the kiss, or Kylo's death last for two seconds because they move on to the next scene immediately. I feel like in the editing room, they realized that this did not play as well as they wanted to, and they tried to cut this scene as short as possible. They probably could have cut around the kiss. I, I, I wish they did. I don't know. This is not necessary. It's just not only Disney, but Hollywood going, we know people like romance. Here you go. For right. absolutely no reason whatsoever, other than to please the people who don't think about it. It's again, it's the Reddit subculture again. Like there's fanfic everywhere. Oh, Reddit was not calling out for this. I'm deep in Reddit. Reddit was not calling for this. <laughs> All right, t- it's the Tumblr. It's the Tumblr fanfic section. Right. I'll give you that. Pinterest. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's start Stupid. to move into the wrap-up here. So, of course, they all meet up again. They see each other. We find out Finn has no game because he has five love interests and he ends up with none of them. <laughs> <laughs> Finn can't close. It's a shame because his hair is the best it's ever been. Yeah. One, one of them, Lando, pretty much comes in and swoops up. That's the vibe I got, at least. Billy D doing his 82-year-old macking on her. Now, was, wait, was that supposed to be – like, was he hitting on her or was that his daughter that he was hinting at? I think it came out a little too – uh, flirtatiously. I agree. But from what I've read, it was a uh, dropped subplot that he had been, his daughter had been taken by the First Order and that's why he got back into the fight. Then why the f*** even include it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> me. I was not the editor on this one, man. I wish you were, Nate. I wish you were. <laughs> the second time I saw it, I was very much like, oh, this could be a setup for a spinoff. Because Billy D has hinted in interviews before the movie that we might not see the last of Lando. But I don't I don't care about this girl at all. I'm sorry. Like they don't they don't give Me her neither. enough to do. This movie had so much to do that they should not have introduced any more characters. I agree. Yeah, I 100 no, like, agree. Like, cool that there's other stormtroopers like Finn. He gets that not only acceptance, but like I don't know. He's not alone in this world. Like he's not the only one who did that. But what? Okay, cool, whatever. Move on. It adds, like, that's exactly my reaction. It, it adds nothing to him. It's like oh, cool. All right, fine. Yep. Right. They didn't. And then we finally move into the final scene. Back on Tatooine, where Rey buries Luke and Leia's lightsaber. She has her own yellow lightsaber, which I did a little research. The yellow indicates some kind of Jedi sentinel. What that means, it's a Jedi who honed his or her skills in a balance of combat 
and scholarly pursuits, basically. Mm. Doesn't the TV character Ashoka, what's her name? Ahsoka. She had, like, white lightsabers, too? Like, yeah. Same thing. She's, like, kind of unaffiliated. It's, like, a neutral political yep. party in force sensitivity. Yeah. I, they've done yellow before, never in the movies. Mm. I think the hint, the hint to me is that she's going to kind of move into a teacherly role going forward. More focused on defending the Jedi Order than being a warrior. But then, of course, the final moments, the random lady comes up and asks her what's her name. She didn't have an answer for the pig girl earlier. Her name is now Skywalker, which I personally like. I like the idea of her adopting the Skywalker name there. If we're going to make this about legacy, that's cool. I can see – I won't fight with anybody that didn't like it. I go back and forth with it because I, I, when you told me your explanation, I kind of went okay. But So part of me goes this movie has a lot to do with – Leia says to Ray, "Don't be afraid of who you are. Don't like embrace it and become your own person." So, right, she's a Palpatine. It's basically the equivalent of being a Hitler. So, right, that's pretty. That's pretty rough. That's some rough stuff. But so she embraces it. She literally saves the galaxy. So she embraces who she is. She conquers it. She's her own person. So I, I thought, oh, she's gonna embrace Palpatine and not make it a dark side name. Make it a good name. So at first I was like, all right, it's dumb that they didn't follow through with that. But Luke and Leia being her primary teachers, I kind of get it as well. So I go back and forth with it. Yeah, I, to me, it's just kind of inconsequential. Like, it's it's a nice nod. It's a nice note to end on. But, I, again, you, you heard my voice a couple minutes ago talking about this third act. I hated this third act. Hmm. So for the capstone to be something okay, it didn't matter anymore. You lost me in the last bit of this movie, you know? It's interesting because I'm kind of the – I'm the inverse. I didn't hate the third act. I was pretty invested in I, – I, I can acknowledge that a lot of the stuff I was doing was stupid. But the f- first act and a half, I was like, okay, this movie's just like way too laser-focused on stupid things. And at least it narrowed its focus to specific characters. That's, I, that's how I felt. I just think it's interesting that we have the inverse. I like that she went back to Luke's home and, like, buried both Luke and Leia's lightsabers at the home and stuff like that. Like, that was pretty cool. But the third act also has my least favorite part of the movie, which is the kiss. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, It's tough. <laughs> and from there, our final shot on the double moons, which I think is always such a great yes, I always like, like callback that. look. I like that. Mm. So, I think our final wrap-up point here is a question that I'm going to pose to both of you. Do we think we're going to see the surviving characters again? And in what capacity? Will there be an episode 10? Well, I don't think they'll do that anymore. It'll be spinoffs and they'll have roles in those movies. I think episode numbers are probably done, mm-hmm. at least for now. I don't know. I guess anything's possible, which is a very vague way to answer that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with these characters coming back, but I wish these characters came back with each other. And I feel like that's less likely to happen now. Uh, again, I love the compatibility. I think Finn and Poe has some great moments throughout this movie and throughout the series. So I hope that they come back together in some capacity as like our new Han and Chewie kind of thing. I think that'd be fun. Uh, Rey is like a new Jedi mentor would also be kind of fun. I just, I hope they wait a little bit before they bring us back into these characters because this trilogy fell flat. It didn't really go anywhere exciting. They didn't it stick the landing. It a lot of spectacle, but yeah. It, it botched the landing. Yeah. All right, guys. We've gone through extensively the entire movie. I don't think there's much more left to say. One last word, each of you, on Rise of Skywalker. Jake. Well, I only get a word? 
Not literally. No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see Andrew's face. Um, so it definitely sounded like we were primarily negative on it. I don't. I really don't hate the movie. There are things that I think it does well, and I think the the best thing it does is it builds on Ray and Kylo. I think it really cements the relationship. I think it makes Ray and Kylo really great characters in this nine movie saga. Um, I really end up liking both characters quite a bit, but it just it just needed to be better, and it needed to not have like a vendetta against Ryan Johnson, even if you didn't like what he did. Okay, but don't go undoing it. Like, move move forward. And also, if you have issues with the script, make it come out in 2020, not 2019. I, I would rather a better movie and wait a year than this be the, the conclusion to the main Star Wars story. No, I mean, there are people who absolutely love this movie, and I think that's great. I'm happy people are loving it. I didn't hate it, but, you know, I, I was hoping for better. All right, Nate. Yeah, so the comparison that I'm using with this movie when I'm talking about it with my friends and family is that it was like an Amazon gift card for Christmas. It's not awful. Like you can still use it and get what you need out of it. But (laughs) as a present, it's a little thoughtless. It's a little (laughs) anticlimactic. It's a thing that you get when you're rushed and you don't know what to do. And that's this movie. (laughs) I like your that. aunt excuse, excuses herself from the table to go cry because she got you three <laughs> for Christmas. Oh, uh. man. I did not like Last Jedi. I tolerated this movie, but it's so middle of the road. And so many of these movies have been middle of the road just because they they're trying to appeal to too many things and they spread themselves too thin. And this movie was trying to be a sequel to two very different movies at the same time. Yeah. It didn't work. It just yeah. flat out didn't work. And it, it's an honest shame. I really wanted to like this one more. And there were glimmers of hope. You brought up Bray. You brought up Kylo. I agree. Those are definitely my standouts from this. Um, I wish we saw more of Ben Solo's character. In the final act, he only had one word, and that was Ow. <laughs> I forgot about really? that. Really? And that was this movie. It was a lot of just weird choices that didn't seem planned out. Yeah, I, I'm I'm disappointed. It was a fun ride, but it was very anticlimactic. I uh, it's the definition of a mixed bag for me. Over the last X amount of minutes you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me compliment it a lot, but you've also heard me tear into it a lot. Like it's what it is. It, it roller coaster ride is a great way to put it, Jake, because it's so true. So many highs of highs, so many extremely crushing lows, and it just doesn't have even yeah. a level of baseline entertaining consistency that the previous movies had. Like I think probably out of the Skywalker movies, this is definitely the most frustrating because – I mean Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones suck right out the gate. But like <laughs> th- this one had potential that it just completely squanders, and it's the whole – idea like we spend so much time in last jedi let about letting the past die but then the past is such a big part of this one that there's no point of getting into the future Ugh, i'm not like disgusted or anything like that i liked it in the moment but i think i don't think time will be very kind to this movie no i really don't think so yeah that will do it for our mega blockbuster review of star wars the rise of skywalker before we go nate langarini where can they find us on the internet Alrighty, here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on all your podcast platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. 
For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. We just spent the last 30 days reviewing Star Wars movies. I'm ready to talk about literally anything else, guys. It's been fun. <laughs> yeah, but me too. I'm not going to watch it's, anything it's, Star Wars for a while. Yeah. So we have seven new podcasts going through all the Star Wars movies we haven't covered in the main Skywalker saga. Please listen to those if you haven't already. Of course, you have our last Jedi review from a couple years ago. That was another magnum opus that was a lot more confrontational and adversarial, but a lot of fun <laughs> to talk about. And of course, if you're not listening to other episodes, we've reviewed Knives Out recently, Frozen 2, et cetera, et cetera. Look out for those. Next up for us, we will be looking back at 2019 and talking about our favorite films of the year. For Jake Hensler and Nate Longarini, I'm Andrew Jay. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon. <laughs>